Okay, so I'm going to I'm going to share um, a prophetic word that I had earlier this week, and then I'm just kind of kind of expound upon or expand upon it, and um, and I'll probably do part one here, and then I'll do part two this afternoon. But you know, on YouTube, you can pick it up from however you want to listen to it. Um, okay, so if you've all got a Bible, um, I'm going to start with Isaiah 52 verse one. So Isaiah 52, verse 1, <laughs> which says, Awake, awake, put on your strength, O Zion, put on your beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. Now, probably most of you are not aware of this one. I, I, kinda, I think I released this on Thursday. Uh, so I'm just going to read it out to you and then I'm going to just basically take it apart. And it says, Awake, awake, my beautiful one, my beautiful one. Time to arise from your slumber, sloth and rest. Arise and shine for your light has come, my people. It is time to stand up as the Lord your God has stood up. Cannot you hear the sound in the camp? Can you not see the commotion? The Ark of the Covenant is on the move and it's starting to be carried aloft. Therefore arise, my people, rise for my presence is returning to you. My power and strength is returning to you. Put on your priestly garments, my people. Put on your beautiful priestly robes. It's time to minister to the Lord your God. It's time for you to now to consider this. Put on those ministering robes and do homage before me. Put down the things that you've been doing and pay attention. For the Ark of the Covenant is on the move. Don't let it pass you by unnoticed. Put down what you're doing and do homage before me. For my passing is coming and I am in the camp of my people. My church, my church, your garments are in tatters. You're wearing clothes that have long worn out. Your garments of old need to be thrown away. The ark of my presence will soon be passing by and you need to be ready for the passing of your great and mighty king who is coming. Sound the shofar, sound it loud, for the ark is being taken out into the people of God. Listen to the voice of my shofars, the prophets. They are heralding my moving. Hear the sound of the shofars and perceive and understand. Is it a call for war? Is it a call for the camp to move? You will only know if you listen to the sound of the shofar. Commotion is in the camp. Excitement is coming to the camp for the Lord your God is on the move. Wake up, change your soiled garments, put on your priestly vestments, bathe yourselves and make yourselves clean before me. Heed the sound of the shofars, understand what is required for the camp and get ready to move. The camp is about to move. I am about to move and lead my people out. Get ready, my people. Your time in the wilderness is at an end. Do not gird for war in the armour of Saul in these days. No, put on your ephod and priestly garments, for this is your garments of war. Awake, my people, arise, for the Ark of the Covenant is on the move. So that's all very flowery pictorial language, as, as I often find that God likes to do. And he just, it's not, you know, if you just read any book of the prophets... It's all this rather flowing language and very poetic language. But actually, when you break it all down, it's, it's good, good old-fashioned common sense, but just garbed in biblical language. Um, so I'm going to start with this scripture. So it says, Awake, my beautiful one, my beautiful one, awake. So in Ephesians 5, we have a similar scripture. I'm just going to turn there now. Uh, Ephesians 5, 10 to 16. It says, try to determine what will please the Lord. 
have nothing to do with the deeds produced by darkness, but instead expose them. That's interesting, isn't it? Uh, For it is shameful even to speak of the things those people do in secret. But everything exposed to the light is revealed clearly for what it is, since anything revealed is a light. That is why it says, get up, sleeper, arise from the dead, and the Messiah will shine upon you. Therefore, pay careful attention to how you conduct your life. Live wisely, not unwisely. Use your time well, for these are evil days. I, I, I have to be honest with, with, with you all, as I don't think in, and I mean, you know, I know some of you have lived through the war and stuff, I don't know, has anyone been here? No, you haven't been through the war, and no, I was ages ago. You're not that old. God, you're cheeky. But, but some of you here are nevertheless have probably been children from the war, and you've seen some terrible things in your time. But I, I think in modern t- times, modern day history, I haven't seen a darkness over the land of Great Britain, in fact, over the world, the way that I'm seeing it now. Uh, I'm seeing rampant apostasy in the church. I'm seeing this nation, you know, just going down the drain in ways that I just would never. And and not only is it doing it quickly, it's accelerating all the time. And uh, we are at the precipice, uh, I believe, of something that's going to be so cataclysmic it's going to be a massive paradigm shift for everybody because I believe we are on the precipice of and sorry to be a prophet of doom but the most climatic the most cataclysmic financial collapse on a worldwide scale that that, that's ever been seen now I've been saying this for for a while but now thank goodness the mainstream media is starting to catch up with the narrative and people around the world are starting to say the same thing, that we're, in, we're into some big trouble. The next few years are going to be very difficult for Britain with the increase of interest rates, etc. People with their mortgages. Um, just as an aside, you know, I don't know if you know this, but you, when you see interest rates on a mortgage of up to 6%, now, some of you here have lived through interest rates of 19%, etc., in the early days. But unfortunately, because of inflation, etc., what is 6% is very similar to 17, 18% that you had back in your day. So, for some some people, uh, you know, say they took out a mortgage, they're paying extra, like say, like a thousand pound a month, etc., on their mortgage. That'll be an extra 800 pound a month that they have to find. Okay, this is this is massive, and and unfortunately, the Britain's economy or GDP, a lot of it is fueled by our housing market. So when you take that out of the equation, then we no longer have a strong economy anymore. We have a weak economy anyway. We've barely been staying out of a recession as it is, but now with the housing market now starting to tip down, uh, we're we're in a dangerous time, and so God is saying to His church, "Wake up, wake up, O sleeper." Awake, awake and rise. Uh, God showed me this dream a while ago and, and I was in this shop and there was all these bodies. They were all just stacked on top of each other like a pile and all these Christians are like, all just like all cozy and all asleep. And that the papers were open before and the papers was all this stuff that was going on in the world and the Christians are just like, all nice and cozy and asleep. And God is saying, guys, now, obviously, I'm speaking this to you, but I'm speaking this to people who are listening to these on, online. So in case you think, man, this is, this is for us, I'm talking to everybody that's listening. This is for all of us. In, in, in all in different ways, we all have our Achilles heel. We all have areas of our lives where we are asleep at the wheel. Um, and and we, we really are at an unprecedented time in history. I mean, I, I, I don't know. It, I just feel like sometimes I want to scream, shout, cry, break down and tears, bang my head against the brick wall. Because the reality is, 
is that the, the Christians that are waking up are so few and far between that unfortunately what's coming is going to catch the church completely unawares. Many years ago, God gave me this dream. And in this dream, I'm sure I've shared this a thousand times, but I've got to keep saying it because it's important that we get it. And, and in this dream, I was the church personified. And so it was a Friday night and I was getting ready to, I was like putting the aftershave on and all this kind of stuff and putting on my best shirts. Like I'm going out to party and just have some fun. And whilst that was going on, the, the TV was on and there was all these terrible things happening in, in the news. And I was just like, ah, it's not, not going to affect me. I don't need to worry about that. And I was this happy-go-lucky church and I was going down the road, happy-go-lucky, going to have some fun and entertain myself. And <clears throat> there were these crazy people right on the fringe these were the voices of the prophets and I wasn't paying any attention to them because they're just a bunch of crazy loons think they're speaking for God yeah right good luck with that and then there was other things going on and then eventually I was walking down the street and I suddenly heard this screaming from behind me and as I turned around I saw this huge tidal wave in the sky and it was just literally about to break upon me and everything stopped just froze and I was the church and I was shouting out to God God why didn't you tell me why didn't you warn me and an angel appeared and he said, I sent you my prophets, but you didn't listen. And, I, I, and there was something else, I can't remember what he said. I sent this, but you didn't listen to that. And even if you didn't listen to them, you could have seen it on the news, but you chose to ignore it and bury your head in the sand. And then suddenly the, everything started moving again and the wave collapsed and just came upon our, our nation and devastated it. Because you see, God wants his church to be awake during these days. This, we, you know, we've, many Christians here, we've been praying for revival for many, many years and, and hankering and yearning and groaning for it because you know, some of us here have seen God move in this nation before. When I first got saved, when I was 17, um, I caught literally the tail end of the charismatic renewal. That was just a charismatic renewal. It was powerful. Okay, there was things that happened then in those two years that I first got saved as a Christian that I still don't see now. That's how powerful the waning of a move of God was. Okay, now we have not had that. The church has been in the wilderness for a long time and God wants to bring the church out of the wilderness. Unfortunately, it, this is not the revival that I think a lot of us have hoped where everything's great and life is just so beautiful and wonderful. And hey, it's revived. God's moving his church. It couldn't be great. It could be better. Actually, it's going to be the worst of times. But because of the revival, it will be the best of times. But, but unless the church is awake, wakey wakey rise and shine unless the church is awake she is just going to get hit by that deluge that's coming and it's going to be like that church said why didn't you tell me why didn't you warn me and it's like how could how could i make it any clearer how could how could god say it any clearer it's so obvious amen this is an encouraging sermon isn't it <laughs> hallelujah it's time to arise from our slumber our sloth and our rest the Apostle Paul says that he lives his life as a drink offering. He pours his life out for the things of the kingdom of God. And I, I, I know there's a day coming, and this is not to make you feel bad, this is just to make you think, okay, for all of us. We're all, we're all guilty of this in varying ways. And, and we have a cup full of so much liquid, which is our life. And of that liquid that's being poured out, how much of it, is actually poured out for Jesus. And how much is it just poured out for, I don't know, I don't know 100 hours on Candy Crush, um, 1,000 hours on Facebook, 
100 million hours on, on BBC One or Sky or whatever. And it's just like, when our lives get, you know, and you think, well, gosh, I slept most of my life, actually. You know, a third of my life, I was asleep. So the other two thirds, I, I wasted one third on social media. I did this and I did this and I did this. And it's like, but how much of your lives and our lives have we poured out for God and his kingdom? Or I'm reminded of one of the old prophet books uh, where basically the people were too busy building their own houses with the cedar panels instead of actually being about building the house of the Lord. Amen. And we are living in those days. You know, I had another dream many years ago. And in this dream, it was a very similar dream to the other one. All these tables. Now, I didn't realize that in this dream, it was literally scripture. So all these tables were joined together and all of the church were having a big feast and, and enjoying food together. They loved it. They're having a great party. But there was a TV showing terrible things going on in the world and we couldn't care less. We're having a party. We're having a great time. Glory be to God. Pass me another sausage roll. We're just having a great time. And then the voice of God boomed. Whoa, whoa, whoa to those at ease in Zion. And then I woke up. The Spirit is saying to his church that you guys, not you guys, but all of us, the whole UK or the whole church, there are things that are happening right now that we need to wake up. We need to rise, wake up and come out of our sloth and our slumber and, and start living our lives that, so that we're living our lives as seed so that we can obtain eternal rewards because I don't think many of us are going to get eternal rewards because we're too busy about doing our own things instead of the things of the kingdom of God. Jesus poured out his life for us and what are we doing for him? Now, when I say what are you doing for him, I don't mean go burn yourself out for Jesus, but just sim simple things, first and foremost, well, no, I'm going to get ahead of myself if I start going there, but I'll come back to that. Isaiah 60, verses 1 to 2. I'm just going to quickly turn there. Right. Isaiah 60, verses 1 to 2. And it says, Arise, shine, for your light has come. The glory of Adonai has risen over you. For although darkness covers the earth and thick darkness the peoples, on you Adonai will rise and over you will be seen his glory. Let's move on to verse 3. Nations will go towards your light and king toward kings towards your shining splendor. God is going to do a wonderful thing in his church in these days. But... Unfortunately, I think it's going to be a remnant church that God is going to. I hate saying that language because I don't like that term remnant church. But in this day and age, unfortunately, it is going to have to be a remnant church. Because while all the other Christians are running around like headless chickens, running around how they're going to pay for their mortgage or do this or do that or how they're going to feed themselves or whatever. There'll be those, the remnant of like, we knew this was coming. We prepared for this physically, emotionally and spiritually. We are ready that there are church leaders that are ready. You know, we have, as Living Word, we have spent £20,000 and put food in storage to help the church through what we believe is coming. We, that's why we do our big allotment project. It's not there for fun. It's there to serve the practical needs of the church. That is what it's there for. And bless God for all those who sacrifice their time to grow that food. And, and the reason why we've been doing it for a few years is because we need training in how to do this kind of stuff. Now we're up to a place now 
where we can get that field up to around about 70% capacity and hopefully next year 100% capacity. That's there to feed people. It's not there for fun. I, I don't want to be up there doing what I'm doing because, uh, you know, God never called me to be a farmer. I thought I was supposed to be a pastor and I don't spend half my day farming. Okay, this is there for the body of Christ. And it, and it, 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 it just frightens me that so many church leaders think that what I am saying and what other people are saying, they think that we're idiots. And yet it's so clear, you just need to turn on the news and you can see. And any buffoon could say, I'm seeing this in the news now. This happened back before. It happened in the 80s. It happened in the 90s. It happened in the 70s. We've seen this thing before. And yet the church is just completely, no, this won't happen. Everything is fine. Business as usual. No, it's not fine. And it's not business as usual. And this is why God is saying, guys, I'm moving. I'm moving in the camp. I'm going to come back into my church again in power. But you and I, we need to be awake to what God is doing. And he's saying there's a commotion in the camp. Now, already there are people throughout Christendom that are stirring. I'm seeing more and more Christians starting to wake up. They're not woke Christians. They're awake Christians. And they're starting to wake up to what's going on and the signs of the times and things. And they're starting to hear and they're starting to pray more and they're starting to listen. And God is moving. But the problem is, is a lot of people, there's confusion. Oh, I, I know something's happening. Well, what's happening? Do you know what's happening? Hey, Jim, what's happening over there? I don't know. I just, there's a massive commotion. People are jumping around and all, I don't know what's going on. God is on the move. Hallelujah. Can you not hear the sound in the camp? Can you not see the commotion? Change is coming. Can anyone feel it? Or is it just me? Yeah. Can you feel it? There's change. Something's happening. You just, I mean, I know unbelievers that know something's coming and that something's happening. But you tell the church, like, no, everything's fine. God will provide. <laughs> it's like, why did God raise up people like Joseph? What was he there for? He was there to save Israel, actually, not Egypt. He was there to save Israel from starvation. That was his job. And what did he do? Did he just sit there and go, well, you know, Jesus will provide. We just need to sit here and do nothing. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. No, God warned him and said, listen, you're going to have seven years of plenty. In that time, sort it out. Store as much as you can. Now, Joseph's name means I will add to that which is lacking. So in other words, do all you can that you can humanly do. And then God will add that which is lacking. Amen. It's a bit like Samson. You know, he pushed on, the, on that last time, these last things. He said, Lord, please let me have one last thing against my enemies. And he was in the temple of Dagon, I think, and he was pushing against those pillars. But did you think he went, Jesus, just empower me. Just empower. No, he was like, with everything that he could, in his own natural strength, he's like, Aah! and then the might of the Lord came upon him and pushed that thing down. And that's how it has to be. We've got to do the best that we can and then God will add that which is lacking. Which, hallelujah. And that's supernatural power as well. Hallelujah. Therefore, the Ark of the Covenant is on the move and it's starting to be carried aloft. Now, again, this is Old Testament language. Now, in the Psalms, you hear language like, um, arise, O Lord, arise, uh, you know, to defeat our enemies. Well, that's old priestly language for they take the Ark of the Covenant and they lift it up. And say, be lifted up, O Lord, be lifted up. And they would carry on, on these poles the Ark of the Covenant out ahead of the soldiers as they go into battle. And so that they knew that if the Lord went before them, because the Ark literally represented to them the manifest presence of God. Yeah? That's why Jonah tried to run away from the presence of God. You might think for us as Christians, like, well, that's a stupid thing to do. Well, in his mindset, the Holy Temple and the Ark of the Covenant is the presence of God. 
So I'm just going to go as far away from that as I possibly can, which is what he tried to do. Didn't get very far though, did he? <laughs> God, the Ark of the Covenant is on the move and it's starting to be carried aloft. Therefore, arise my people. Interesting, isn't it? God is arising. Therefore, you lot, us lot, arise, get up. All right. For my presence is returning to you. My power and strength is returning to you. And I tell you, I'm so, I'm so, so desirous to see God move in his church again. You know, I don't get me wrong. God has been with us in the wilderness and it's been tough. You know, God was with the Israelites in the wilderness, still fed them for 40 years with heavenly manner. Um, you know, he still saw the pillar of his cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. They knew that God was with them and they saw things, but it was tough. And when you look at the number of people that went into the wilderness and the number of people that went out of the wilderness, there were less. So it was tough on Israel. And it's been tough on the church. The church is a lot less now than what she was even back in the 70s, right? The church was strong. It was booming. You know, could do better, but it was nevertheless a strong presence. Now, it's just fizzling out big time. And those churches that are around, they're just embracing apostasy and all the, all the latest fads and things. And it says, um, put on your priestly garments, my people. Put on your beautiful priestly robes. It's time to minister to the Lord your God. It's time for you to now consider this. Put on those ministering robes and do homage before me. Now, in 1 Peter 2.9, it says, we are a royal nation. Sorry, we are a holy nation, a royal priesthood. Okay, so actually... Our, and I've said this a thousand times, our primary function as Christians is not evangelists. Our primary ministry is not to tell people about Jesus. Our primary ministry is to minister to God. Because you are priests through the order of the high priest, which is the order of Melchizedek, which is Jesus. Okay, So through that order, we, he is our high priest, therefore we are priests. As he operates in a priestly function right now in heaven, because I don't know if you know this, if there's no high priest, your prayers can't be answered. It's as simple as that. There's a lot of theology I can go into, but I don't have time for that. So if there's no high priest, your prayers will not be answered. And therefore, as a community of priests, we need to be changing our mission and our values. That actually our mission, and our values, most churches like, well, we're going we're gonna to do this, we're going to do that. Uh, we're going to spend lots of money on this. We're going to put up one of these and do six of them and do five of the other. But actually, the church's primary ministry, or those things are important, is to God. And it can't just be, I'm not, and this is not a criticism, I'm just saying, you know, I'm a Christian too, right? I'm speaking to myself. It can't just be a 30-minute sing-song on a Sunday, which is a form of prayer and worship, and that is your priestly duty. But actually, it says in Romans 12 that we're to live our lives as living sacrifices. You can't sacrifice something unless you are a priest. And as a priest, you, like Christ, you offer up yourself. We offer up ourselves as priests. Jesus was the high priest. He offered up himself, okay, on behalf of the sins of the world. And so we offer up ourselves as an offering on the altar of sacrifice, as a pleasing aroma. And as it says in, in Romans 12, this is the, the least of your service. Amen. Just, that's, that's just the bare basics. You know, get before heaven. Ah, oh, Jesus, hallelujah. Well, let's say God the Father. I, I'm here, thank you. I'm, I'm here, I got in, hallelujah. Glory be to God. And you're like, let's get those rewards coming. I can't wait till those rewards start coming. And, and, and it just slowly but surely, you, you begin to realise like, well, uh, you know, how much time did I actually pray? Um, how much did I really 
ask God's kingdom to be done on the earth and see his will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. I thought it was a lot more than that, but okay. And, 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 and how did I live my life as a priest uh, before my God? And it's like, I probably didn't really, really do much as a priest, if I'm honest. I didn't really know I was a priest, and therefore I, didn't, I just thought I was an evangelist, and I just had to go around telling everyone about Jesus all day long. It's like, yes, those things are important, but your primary ministry is a priest. And that's why God is saying for the church, it needs to put on its priestly vestments again. Why? Because God's people need to pray again. We are not good at praying. That's a fact. And it's not a criticism. It's not a judgment. It's not to make anyone feel condemned. It's just a reality. I mean, we just be honest with ourselves. I mean, come on, we're all, we're all, we're all in this together, right? It's like, yeah. I could pray a lot more. We could do a lot more corporately praying for the state of this nation. You know, uh, we could do a lot more corporately praying for the state of the church. Um, there's a hacker. You know, it's like, it's like our house of prayer Thursday night. It's notoriously quiet. Um, we have a great time. We're doing our bit. We're ministering to the Lord. But it is notoriously quiet. But I remember a while back, there was something, I can't remember, it was a few years ago, where something was happening in the Middle East that could really affect what was going on here in the UK guess what? Prayer room was full. Two weeks it was full. Once that prayer was answered, everything back to normal again because we could get back to our comfortable lifestyle. I am speaking hard words because God is saying to us, it's time to put on the priestly vestments. It's time. I don't know what else it is we've been wearing for the last 30 years, but God is saying, guys, we've got to come back to what this is about. Our Lord God is about to come back into the camp. The reason why Uzzah, when he tried to steady the ark aloft, is because, and was struck dead, is because he wasn't a priest. The priests are only the ones that are allowed to carry the Ark of the Covenant. The priests are the only ones that are allowed to carry the presence of God. And you and I are carriers and bearers of the presence of God. And God is saying, I'm coming back to my church. Therefore, you need to put on priestly garments and be priests. Because if you don't carry the, the Ark of the Covenant wearing those garments, we might be like Uzzah. We've got to change. We've got to come out of these tatty robes that we're in that are old. I remember God gave me this dream once about this t motorway and all these cars. And it was an old motorway and it was so tired. It's like, oh man, this motorway needs a serious overhaul. And yet all of these trucks and all these lorries and all these cars which represented churches and ministries are zooming down this road. Because that's the way we've always done it. And that's the way we're always going to do it. And then suddenly, I don't know why, but I was on a, I was on a bike which is like really rubbish. So like these guys drive around these big trucks and I'm on a little push bike. And I, and I saw on the motorway, um, this break in the, in the wall on the side. And I, and I kind of came off and went down. And then the spirit said to me, you need to walk in the ancient paths. And I was like, oh, not this, not this, not this motorway that everyone else is going down. You need to walk the ancient paths. And I was like, okay. So, and it was about walking by faith as well. And I, I could see that I was on the precipice of this cliff drop. And then God said, you need to just, with your bike, just go off the edge. And I was like, well, that's suicide. Just do it. And as I went off the edge, suddenly all of these rocks that I was at the angle I was at suddenly came into alignment. And then suddenly my bike just found this hidden path that the human eye couldn't see that was there all along because my angle was wrong. I couldn't see it. That step of faith led me down to this ancient path that got me to places where those motorways don't take anymore. Those motorways don't go where God wants us to go. Yeah, don't get me wrong, the motorways were useful for its time and for its season, but it's over. Doing church the way we've done it for the last 30 years has to stop. God is rewriting things. He's saying, guys, 
that was good for its time, but we need to go back to the ancient past. We need to do things differently. And that, what, that which is different is a walk of faith. It's not a walk by, oh, this is how we've done church for the last 30 years. This is what we do, and this is what we did at our old place. That's just not going to work anymore. You need new wine in new wineskins. You need a new piece of cloth for a, for, 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 to, to fix and to repair the damage on a, on, a, on a new garment. You can't put new on the old, because what God is doing is new. And it's fresh. Now, God is immutable. There's nothing new under the sun ever. And actually, that's just a, a reality. It's just a fact. It just goes through rebranding and rebadging up. But what God is going to do in his church is nothing new in one sense, but it's going to be very new to us. And God is just wanting to encourage us. Guys, it's time to get ready. Time to take off those tattery garments, the way we've been doing things. They're old, they're worn out, they're tired. How, hands up here, who feels worn out and tired with Christendom? Yeah. All right. Okay, we've done this for too long and we've been faithful and God's going to honour that because we have been stuck in the wilderness. But God is on the move and it's time for us now to get some new garments on, actually the garments that we should have been wearing to start with in fairness, and now come back to what God wants us to do. Lord God, uh, I know this is only part of the message, but Jesus, I, I pray, Lord God, that uh, you will bless us, Lord God, and you will help us, Lord Jesus. And Lord, as the name Joseph means, you will add to that which is lacking, Lord. There's so much areas in our own lives, individually and corporately, Lord God, where we, where we know we're lacking. And Lord God, we just pray that you help us and you be there for us and you help us, Lord God, in many areas of our lives and help us to be awakened these days, Lord Jesus, and help us to be a faithful people, Lord God, that will put on those garments, Lord Jesus, and do whatever it is that you've called us to do for this day and for this hour in which we find ourselves, for the glory of your name and for the building of your kingdom, not the empires of man. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Amen.